The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and joining me is Chief Nerf Predictor, Zacho. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Doing okay. I'm going to find a new title for you every week. I've decided I'm going to do that as of right now. I'm secretly rooting for, well, not even secretly. There's a, there's a very particular deck that I think a lot of people are hoping to, uh, to see maybe on the other side of some balance change at some point this expansion. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, but, but I hope you get it right. Uh, so everyone listening, just a reminder, our next report will be next week, the 17th. There is no report this week recording on the morning of the 11th. Uh, and uh, well, at this point you already know there's no report, but we're waiting on, uh, we needed a full week of data for standard, uh, wild. It'll be a little wild. Huh? Huh? That was bad. That was bad. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm leaving it in. Even if you tell me to edit out, that's, that's staying. Um, that's a two out of ten. Yes, good, perfect. Um, but yeah, while it'll take a little while, uh, a little bit for us to get the data on that. Um, so just follow us on Twitter, hang out in our Discord. You'll get all the information that way. Um, and just a reminder, if you like the podcast, go ahead and give it five stars. It really helps other people find the show. All right, Zach, let's talk about the meta. We've got uh, you've got some internal numbers here. I will say right off the bat the the class that i've gotten the most questions about is mage by far and the deck that i've gotten the most questions about is turtle mage people are dying to know about turtle mage yeah well mage is definitely one of the more diverse classes right now uh there's a lot of hype behind cyclone mage there's a lot of hype behind turtle mage and i will say that both of these decks look pretty good i wouldn't say they're the best um so i would start with cyclone mage first uh cyclone mage is one of the most popular decks in the format right now if you're climbing ladder you probably see a lot of it especially at, if you're climbing a legend and a top legend it's highly popular um builds a uh, range from you know the spellkin list with uh with breath that uh Orange Pioneer, then the more standard build with uh, Arcane Intellect, uh, if I had to split them into two. But uh, most lists, they uh, differentiate by maybe three cards, something like that. Not significant. Uh, but Turtle Mage is doing pretty well. I wouldn't say it's the best by any means. A lot of some players consider it to be the strongest. Um, it's not close to that, but it is a, a fairly powerful deck. Uh, that's pretty skill-intensive uh, and interesting to play. Um, it does have some issues in the current meta. Bomb Warrior is pretty popular. Soul Demon Hunter is pretty popular. It doesn't beat Druid either. So it does have some challenges, which it makes it pretty much where it sits at before the Balance Changers, around the Tier 2 range. This is where Cyclo Mage is shaping up to be. Now, Turtle Mage's story is a little bit more interesting because if we had a report this week for the pre-patch data, uh, then we would have shown that Turtle Mage's win rate spiked by two to three percent over the last week. Uh, the deck is refining at a rapid pace, and I still see a significant scope for improvement. The build that we featured last week. 
uh, cutting the Doomsayers, not running Ooze, running Frozen Shadow Weavers is bonkers. This that this list looks like a big breakthrough and has led to you know VS net deckers to perform exceptionally well with Turtle Mage. I would say that before the patch, it was on its way to be a tier one deck, possibly the best in the game. Which is insane to think about, Turtle Mage being the best. However, after the balance changes and its rise in popularity, as it's, you know, it's starting to rise in popularity, we're getting to the like 5% uh, of, of, the, of the share at Legend, around those numbers, 4 or 5%. Uh, we've seen a pretty significant response to try and counter Turtle Mage. Uh, both in card choices like rogues running Flick, you're seeing druids running Living Dragon Breath, uh, you're seeing more face hunters as well at higher levels of play. There is a significant attempt, maybe even a over-the-top attempt, to counter Turtle Mage. Probably because even though it's not that popular, losing to it is one of the worst experiences you can uh, have in Hearthstone right now. So people really hate losing to that deck, which probably generates this kind of response. So its win rate has been declining since, and it might not look like the most insane deck of the format next week, judging by how things are responding. But I will say this, it still has a significant scope for improvement. Most players still run builds, you know, that are, you know, propagated by other sources that run like things like Acidic Swampoos and Doomsayer is still very, very common. I will say this. Um, it makes absolutely no sense if you think of it from a logical perspective to run Acidic Swampoos over Frozen Shadow Weaver. Just think about that. Frozen Shadow Weaver does what you want to do against weapon classes like Warrior. You can perma-freeze the Warrior's face and prevent him from ever hitting you with a wrench caliber once you get the pilgrim chain going. So it does has anti-weapon implications. Uh, but in addition, it also freezes minions. So it's much more versatile than an acidic swampus. Uh, and then when you think about a matchup like Soul Demon Hunter, Frozen Shadow Weaver is far better. Basically, Frozen she Shadow Weaver can completely lock the Soul Demon Hunter out of the game. While in Ooze, you destroy one charge of a Marrow Slicer. Probably doesn't prevent them from finishing you off with their damage, with their attack buffs. So what we identified is, for example, like the Soul Demon Hunter matchup. If you run Frozen Shadow Weavers, you could go even with the Soul Demon Hunter, while common ladder builds of Turtle Mage lose pretty hard to Soul Demon Hunter. You're looking at a different from like, I don't know, 35% win rate against Soul Demon Hunter or 30% win rate to 50-50 matchup. Now, there are other things that are interesting. Um, one uh, mini package that you can add to the build that we featured in the report last week is run Barriers and Cloud Prince instead of the Blizzard and the Sun Reaver War Mage. Basically, you just swap the three cards, and you possibly, very likely, become favored against things like Bomb Warrior and Soul Demon Hunter. So, as I said, there is 
massive scope for improvement for Turtle Mage to continue to adjust to meta developments to counter or to improve its performance against the top meta decks. And I expect Turtle Mage to be a big player in the post-patch meta. It was going to happen anyway. So Turtle Mage is not just real, it's powerful. This might not reflect in the data right now or next week as well as it could, because as I said, things like Ooze and Doomsayer are still very popular, but it, its ceiling looks very, very high. Like, the, if you build it optimally, you can go a long way. Uh, the only matchup, I will say, the only matchup that is clearly unfavorable, and it's difficult to adjust to that matchup and make it reasonable, is Face Hunter. That's the one matchup that Turtle Mage, no matter how you build it, it struggles against. So, Cyclone Mage, pretty good. Well-rounded deck, has its issues. Turtle Mage, I'm scared of this deck. If I had to be a betting man, if you told me to bet on something, I would tell you that this deck is getting nerfed within a month. So do you think it's going to be, if it is nerfed, do you think it would be because of play pattern, win rate, or both? And are, are you seeing this win rate at all levels of the ladder, or is it really, uh, uh, as of right now, focused on higher echelons of skill? It's, it's focused on... People who net deck VS. <laughs> okay. Basically. The people who are net decking the list that we had in the report last week are doing really well with it because you're cutting the bad cards and you're adding more versatile, well-rounded cards. And it's 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 done really exceptionally well in the week before the patch. Right now, it's being a little bit targeted a little bit more aggressively by the meta. But as I said, the deck is flexible. Regarding why it would be nerfed, it it's because it would be powerful enough to be fairly common in the meta, especially at higher levels of play, in a deck with the play patterns that Turtle Mage possesses, you might argue it's one of the most toxic decks you can ever experience playing against. Like, it's it's like Shadow Walk Shaman, but somehow makes you feel worse when you lose to it. And considering what we've seen so far with Team 5 nerfing things like Cabal Acolyte, which is not as offensive in terms of play patterns or things like that that little tap that they did to secret passage if they're nerfing these cards because of play pattern reasons or lucia then you can you can bet that they're going to nerf this deck they're not going to allow this deck to be like 10% of the meta at legend or 8% of the meta at legend that's my guess or 1% of the new player experience uh, even if you if you have never seen this deck before, the first time getting twelve Frost Novas played in a row is really something special. I think is how we'll phrase it, and uh, I imagine as that propagates to lower tiers of the ladder as well, it'll be a lot harder to justify keeping that play experience around because um, it's it's hard to. I'm not surprised that they didn't catch this in testing because it's a very weird esoteric combo, but now that it's out there in the wild, like we talked about last week, I imagine there is a larger shakeup for this meta planned mid-set, like they usually do, and the adjustment or potentially deletion of Turtle Mage would make a lot of sense there. Yeah, so my guess is it's going to take a while, uh, because the win rate is not, it's not going to be seen in the win rates right now. I will say this, because once we publish next week's report, and we figure out what's the best Turtle Mage build, and that idea starts to propagate, and, and we start screaming that you need to stop playing things like Ooze and Doomsayer, 
We're going to scream that a little bit more aggressively. Then the win rate will pick up, the popularity will pick up, and then it probably just gets nerfed. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be the best deck even after Refinement because it has the face hunter counter. We'll get to hunter soon, uh, but it it just looks um, to have a pretty high ceiling post Refinement. Yep, and uh, honestly, having picked the deck up, it plays a lot more like Spiteful Mage than I expected. You win with like crappy mid range minions a lot of the time. You just play, you just stuff, play on stuff. Yeah. This is why Doomsayer sucks. This deck is not like. This is not Holy Wrath Paladin. I'm sitting here passively and trying to survive until I get to a combo. No. You play stuff. You curve out. You fight for the board. And sometimes you're, you aggressively contesting the board and getting on the board is enough. And then you fall back to the Pilgrim if you ever need it. Uh, the deck is pretty flexible in its game plan. Uh, and, you know, it just has the potential to just infinite freeze and lock opponents out of the game. Things like Shadow Weaver, card is so good in this deck. I'm just surprised that people are not picking up on it. You yeah. can just completely shut down Bomb Warrior and Soul Demon Hunter forever. They cannot hit your face. It's over. Like, once Shadow Weaver is... Like, imagine you freeze... You constantly freeze Soul DH's face. They cannot do anything. It's over. Like, their entire game plan is based on attacking you with their face. So it's gone. That's it. And just having all these delays and stalling effects just helps you also gain tempo. It's not the easiest deck to play. There's, you have, there's, a, there's hand management. There's also board space management. Sometimes you ping your own 1-1s to free up more Pilgrim combos in, in later turns. Frequently. It's it's not just yeah. board space too. It's hand space because potion copies and the order minions are played, so you have to keep track exactly. of the order. Make sure you get back minions right on time. It's there's a lot of self pinging going on. Yeah, you, you need to manage your board and you need to manage your hand. Sometimes you want to trade things in before you play potion because you want to copy specific minions, while others you may not want to copy. Like managing bone wraith and carted defender, especially because these are sticky minions, and sometimes you don't want to continue copying them. Uh, it, it's it, it has some 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 serious management, but in terms of the early game and how it curves into the pilgrim, you just play stuff and fight for the board. Think of it as a mid-range deck, just fights for the board. This is the best defense for this deck. Not playing passively and, and answering and being reactive with the cards that I talked about that are not good. Yeah, I played against an aggro demon hunter yesterday and I just curved out with uh, just Spellwing into Wandmaker into Imprisoned Observer, which is the nuts in this deck, into Firebrand and play the Arcane Missiles, and they just had no chance from that point forward. You just fight for the board. You just fight for the board as aggressively as you can. Because you're going to get the combo on 8. You're going to get program on 8. You don't need to... You don't draw. You don't assemble resources. You just play stuff. Once you hit 8, you win. 9, to be fair. Because you need to play the 8. Play the Pilgrim on 8. Then on 9 starts the... Misery... The chain of misery, I would call it. Honestly, if I have to freeze all that often when I'm playing Turtle Mage, I feel like I've done something wrong because I really just want to kill them with damage. I just want to uh, get one one man uh, one mana pilgrim in hand and then just go War Mage pilgrim and start and start popping off. Also, Prince uh, running Cloud Prince allows you to set up a burst like almost a whole TK pretty quickly. 
You can yes. copy multiple princes. And the barrier means you have infinite life gain, too. Like, you can go barrier. Like, the barrier in the Blizzard is, I think, it depends on the matchup, right? There are matchups where Blizzard is useless. Warrior, Demon Hunter. It's too late. Rogue. Where barrier is better. And there are other uh, other matchups where you'd rather run Blizzard. For example, Druid. Um, especially if they run... The, the thing is, if they run Living Dragon Breath, you want Blizzard even more. Because Blizzard allows you to clear the board. Like you, for just for the two damage, you just pilgrim, 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 and keep blizzarding. Once you pilgrim twice, the living dragon breath is gone, and then you just can continue your shenanigans. But yeah, we'll we'll look into it next week. We'll figure out what the best build, what the best uh, um, card choices are. I'm pretty sure the deck uh, will improve its win rate after that, just like it did last week. Like it's it would have been meta breaker this week out if there was no patch. It would have been Metabreaker. We would have said it was on its way to Tier 1. And <laughs> it would probably have been nerfed faster. It's going to take a little bit more time now. Well, remember the Masters Tours this weekend. Uh, after Eddie's performance in the first few weeks, I would not be surprised we see a lot of Turtle Mage on camera this weekend. And the great thing about that deck being on camera is it is very not good at being on camera and making the game look appealing to play. It's not good advertising. Wouldn't be it's super surprised if it was highly visible and performed well, if it got a nudge sooner rather than later, but it remains to be seen. I actually do have some follow-up questions about Cyclone Mage, too, because there are a lot of different ways to bring the build. Have you gotten any clarity on Cobalt Spellkin or Conjurer's Calling or any of these cards? Uh, we've, we've already said Conjurer's Calling is not good for ladder, that's for sure. Um, Spellkin looks good. Looks pretty good. Even Breath looks pretty decent. Like, Orange's build is... Is pretty strong, uh, so I like it. But we'll figure out the, the final choices next week. You, you can't really go that wrong with Cyclomage. There are 27 cards that matter the most, and then you figure out the last three. But uh, the one thing Turtle Mage does compete with Cyclomage, you cannot bring both into a Conquest lineup, which means you might not see as many Turtle Mage, but I do expect to see a significant amount of Turtle Mage that are poorly, poorly built, and I will sigh every time I see a list with uh, Uzen and Doomsayer. Because that's not the way to go. So it might even not perform as well as it could. Because people are not aware of the secret sauce. Even top legend players. But yeah, you're going to see Turtle Mage mirrors. It's going to happen. Ugh. Yeah, the mirror match is, uh, is kind of next level miserable. You, you run bully. You know what you do? You run bully for the mirror <laughs> You bully them. You double bully them, and they can never play a pilgrim, even if it's one mana. It turns into eleven, and you just chain bullies. It, it's oh my goodness! Generate. Don't you don't want to see? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, mage Highlander. Pretty bad. I wouldn't run that deck. I think that deck is dying. That's pretty much what I had to say about Highlander mage. If Dragon Queen Alexstrasza hadn't gotten nerfed. Would we see it like a major difference in Highlanders win rate, or is it just a question of the makeup of the meta? I don't even feel like you can get to turn nine all that consistently. I think I think it would make a difference. I think um, uh, Dragon Queen Alexstrasza pre nerf was one of the best cards in the deck. There was like Zephyrus and Reno, and then Dragon Queen was right there, you know, alongside with uh, Prison Observer and some and Dragon Caster. These were the best cards in the deck, and now it's. Not close to being one of the best cards. So I do think that if Highlander Mage had this 
button on 9 to just force the issue and just force the game, then I think it would be better. Uh, even if it feels like the meta is very fast, the, having a turn 9, this game is over. It is important. And now the deck just doesn't win quickly enough. On the contrary, because the meta is so fast, the deck wants to win quickly. So not having Dragon Queen as it, is, as it was hurts it a lot. Yeah, that actually makes sense that being able to swing the board that soon and then lock your opponent out of competing. Yeah, it's I'm I'm glad they touched the card because it would have been meta defining from the second they printed it till the second they it rotated. And now Highlander doesn't really feel like a major part of the meta as a mechanic. I guess DQA was actually kind of holding the holding the archetype together more so than Zephyrus was, which is kind of crazy to think about. No, I, I, I would say, you know, if you nerfed Zephyrus, you would hurt it even more. Well, sure. Okay. Uh, but but I'm the saying it's, it was important. It was important. Yeah, without it, um, you're back to old Doom situation where Highlander the decks were okay, but they weren't that dominant. But I think we've had enough of Highlander decks, and Team 5 kind of recognized that, and they want to freshen things up, and I think that was a correct move. I'm a fan of that. And and our next class, well, I guess used to have a Highlander deck, but I think that wraps up our mage discussion, uh, unless there's anything you want to add here. Oh, pretty much. Turtle. Yeah. Play turtles. Beware the turtle. All right. So let's talk about Rogue. Rogue, uh, well, they lost one card out of their five in Secret Passage. Still one mana draw for. I will say it feels a lot less powerful to play with. Like, surprisingly so, when you cast the card Secret Passage. Rogue was affected. However, I'm not sure that Rogue was affected by this change as much as it's affected by meta developments. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's the main thing. Uh, when you think about uh, its performance against uh, Druid, uh, Agro Rogue is really struggling against new Druid builds that are kind of geared a lot better against in aggressive matchups to perform well. You have things like Broomstick that can swing pretty pretty effectively uh, in, from positions where the Druid is behind, suddenly plays Broomstick and the, like, the board swing is complete. So you have very c consistent ways to come back there. And yeah, it's one card, but it does affect and Miracle Rogue has been falling off a bit. Also, you look. You have to consider um, a rise in bomb warriors that's happening. A rise in efficiency of uh, um, cyclone mages are getting better in that matchup. Um, soul demon hunters are also out there. So miracle rogue is not looking as powerful, and aggro rogue is definitely looking like it's kind of struggling. Even I would say, but. It it kind of depends because it could be that within the data of Agro Rogue, one of the variants is doing better than others. We'll have to look into it uh, next week. It's possible that the archetype just needs to make an adjustment, uh, but it's still early to to determine what's the best approach because we've just it's just been three days, so it's not enough to tell. But I think it's fair to say that Rogue has lost some steam. And it's not looking to be when previously I would have like last podcast, I told you that Miracle Rogue was on its way to tier one status, right? We said Miracle Rogue could possibly be the best deck. And now it's looking nowhere near that. Miracle Rogue, maybe it's like low tier two range. Agro Rogue, kind of a similar thing, perhaps even worse than that. 
really big turnaround for Agmarog, a deck that people called to nerf just a few weeks ago, and now I'm not even sure it's going to have a positive win rate. So just just tells you uh, that you know things can change, and early calls to nerf things uh, may not be warranted. True, we did end up nerfing Secret Passage, but I don't think that was a power-level decision. It wasn't. And I don't think the nerf to Secret Passage is what's causing Rogue to be where it is right now. Uh, Secret Passage is still a good card. You still want to run it in your Rogue decks. Uh, there's just developments in the meta that are pretty much uh, pretty hostile to the class. Yeah, I was looking actually into building some Conquest lineups for this week and talking about Rogue. I was like, alright, what is Rogue target? Kinda nothing. Kind of not really anything. Conclusively, it feels like a a, a 49 to 51% deck against a lot of classes. It feels like a 49 to 51% class against a lot of decks. Uh, and that can be said of really any of the builds. I don't feel like that it has a really clear spot in the metagame. It's just kind of okay. It's kind of solid. Yeah, it's kind of okay. And it doesn't... Yeah, you're, it is true. It doesn't really... Like, Rogue mostly beats, like, Bomb Warrior because we're not running Skipper or Armorsmith in, in that deck anymore. And Miracle Rogue is reasonable against Druid and pretty good against Face Hunter. Like, Rogue, like Miracle Rogue is, like, the adjustments... Like, the the, the class adjustment to Face Hunter because Face Hunter is really good against Rogue, But then you run Miracle and you do a, a lot better in that matchup. But... Generally, Rogue doesn't really beat anything. Like, it doesn't look exceptionally good at anything right now. When it looked pretty good last week, just last week. The meta continues to shift, and it looks like there will be organic changes in addition to these uh, to these introduced ones from Team 5. So is there any particular insight into... Uh, into weapon rogue versus lackey stealth rogue versus stealth rogue. As far as an aggressive variant, is there is there any that stands out in a positive way or in a negative way? Uh, it's very very difficult to say at this stage. It's probably just a little bit too early. I could see weapon rogue maybe coming back, but uh, again, it really depends. Like bomb, like by this time next week, maybe bomb warrior becomes really pop- powerful and kind of causes people to bring weapon tech, which then also hits Weapon Rogue. Uh, I do like, I still like the build that we featured in last week's report is probably the best one still. Like if you want to play Agro Rogue, um, then run the build that we featured last week with Miscreant and Wand Thief and Flick. Flick has a new role in the current meta, which is dealing with Turtle Mage. You flick the Pilgrim and they're in trouble. Uh, so that's kind of valuable. Uh, Miracle Rogue, you can run the same list. You can think about maybe cutting one Intrepid Initiate for Flick if you're playing at high levels and you cannot stand hitting uh, Turtle Mages. Uh, then Flick, uh, I think Flick's value kind of rose um, based on these developments. Yep, I've found it to be quite useful in the games that I've played with it. Um, and do we have any... We don't have any data on Galakrond Rogue, right? So I've seen a few of them. Not really. They started to pop up. I don't they're going to disappear. Okay. Galakroga, I don't think is going to be a thing. I don't think so either, but Still. technically Potion of Illusion is a dual class card. And I have seen some rogues playing some Potions of Illusion. It can be all right. Yeah, okay, let's move yeah, on. Probably too slow. Yeah, okay, let's move on. Um, let's talk about Druid. So Druid, uh, I am curious about the developments. It feels like 
maybe the the nerfs to Rogue and Priest were, and in particular the nerf to Zoo might have helped Druid kind of jump up in the meta a little bit because Zoo was kind of the the hardest counter that we had before. Yeah, they did. Like I think the balance changes, uh, as I feared, did help Druid in the current meta. You're looking at Zoo. We'll talk about that later, but. The deck has significantly declined. That was one of the best answers uh, to Druid. And now, I kind of feel like there's no... Like, Druid can do well against pretty much everything, depending on the build. Like, if you're running into a lot of Paladins, which is one of the more difficult matchups, there's still a build that does pretty well against that. If you're running into Face Hunters, you can adjust to, to that. Um, if you run into Bomb Warriors, you can also adjust. And then it just has a really good matchup spread against a lot of other decks that, that are out there. Like, Druid is just very strong, very resilient, very reliable. It doesn't have the highest win rate. It's not, like, um, the best deck by any means, but it's highly influential. It's highly effective. It's definitely up there and competitive. Um, I still like, for Ladder, I still like the Fairways build. That we featured in last week. That's the kind of build that you want to run if you want to just have a good matchup against almost everything. Even against Paladin, which, you know, people generally think that this matchup is difficult and there's no real way to adjust to it. The Feroz build does fairly well, better than other Druid decks in that matchup. You're looking maybe at a 45, 55 there. So it's a lot more reasonable against, and then you know you're pretty good in, you're pretty decent in the mirror, you're pretty decent against everything. There is no matchup that makes you, you know, shake your head. You're good against priest. If I were playing druid right now, I would play the forest build. And then we also have Malagos. Malagos does serve a role. It kind of fell off a bit on ladder, interestingly, uh, which is a bit surprising considering that. Malagos does have a good matchup against Turtle Mage. It's like it's the variant you run a run if you hit Turtle Mage and like High Legend and things like so. So because you don't rely on board, you can just over the top damage and kill them through Malagos wipe combos. Uh, but it kind of uh, is falling off probably because its other matchups are not that flexible. And I've I've been seeing like Living Dragon Breath quite a bit. In order to answer Turtle Mage, if you're playing a survival build, like that's the way to respond to those. But I'm not sure that's actually a good card, right? It does feel a little bit too techy, kind of a response, just like people teching ooze in order to beat Bomb Warriors back like a few weeks ago. I'm not sure that's the card that you want to run on ladder. So I do really like the Forest build still. And there are other builds, Mount Seller. We'll figure everything out next week. As I said, too early to say in the current meta what's the best, though I'm leaning towards the force. And it makes sense that you have to imagine that after a Druid player gets Frost Node for the 13th time, they're like, I need some spell damage. I'm just going to kill this Turtle Mage. And I, I get the impulse, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Master's Tour is reflective of that. Uh, but also just having a, having Feoris and just a pile of beef can be better sometimes than trying to put together this intricate Omu spell damage hit you with Malagos combo. It's generally better. It's generally better, I think, the forest against Unladder because it's just kind of good against everything. You don't really have a, a hugely unfavorable matchup. You kind of have a chance against everything. While Malagos is a little bit more of a specialist deck, where it does particularly good against specific classics like Mage, Priest, Warrior, and then it does worse against other things. 
and it's not as consistent in its execution because it requires you to draw your deck and to assemble a combo. It's less likely to win through just the board, though it can. Uh, when you, whenever you run a Ysera, you can win through the board. Yes. And I will say, I, I go through cycles. I think that Maligos is the worst variant, and then I die to Geppetto and to Alex Drazen, like Maligos is insane. It's got to be the best deck on the ladder. Then come back to Earth, and everything is fine. But when they, when they Geppetto into a one-mana Alex, that deck feels pretty unfair. Basically, the bottom line for Druid is that I think the nerfs, the balances did help it. The good news is that it probably didn't help it to the point where Druid is oppressive, which was my concern, but we'll have to see. It might just uh, need to figure out how to best abuse its tools, and once it does, it might become a problem, but so far, it's okay. Now, a deck that I have seen a lot of on ladder lately is Bomb Warrior, and I'm wondering if that is the flavor of the class for the moment, and also uh, a a good way to go if I'm going to push ranks on ladder. Because it seems pretty strong. Yeah, so Bomb Warrior is basically a response uh, to the popularity of Cyclone Mage. It's one of the ways to reliably beat Cyclone Mage because um, you cannot Ray of Frost face and Cyclone Mage doesn't really have good defenses so it's vulnerable to be just being smacked in the head. You can also run Chorus which deals with the Mana Giant pretty eff efficiently. You've got Bladesworm in case you don't draw it. If they ever overextend you've got Brawl. It's, a, it's an irritating matchup from the Mage perspective. So Bomb Warrior is probably a response to that. But Bomb Warrior is not infallible, right? It's no. okay against Druid. Uh, depending on the build, right? It's worse against Malagos. It's it's uh, it's a little bit better against um, low density threats, uh, low th uh, threat density from the Druid. Like there are builds that run like one survival, uh, mount sellers, things like that. You can kind of one for one the Druid and put him out of the game. Uh, but it struggles against Face Hunter, uh, which is weird. But yeah, we're not running Skip or Armorsmith anymore. Uh, so that means we're struggling against aggressive decks. The good news for Bomb Warrior is that Aggro Rogue has declined. Um, so its meta standing improved. Um, Paladin can be an issue at uh, lower ranks, but it's not super popular at higher ranks. So the deck does pretty well. And it punishes things like, uh, you know, classes that you don't discuss as much, like Priest. Unless they run Weapon Tech, Priest is, like, struggles significantly against Bomb Warrior. So it's good. It's effective. Again, kind of the story of the meta, where there are a lot of good effective decks, but not a lot of, not ones that are just straight up insane or oppressive or any of that. Bomb Warrior is good. Um, the unfortunate part within the Warrior class is kind of that Bomb Warrior is pretty much all we can talk about. Uh, other, other Warrior decks haven't really shaped up. Big Warrior is pretty much disappearing. Uh, and Rage Warrior is too polarizing. Uh, it's good against like Face Hunter, but it's just like it doesn't stand the test uh, in the late game matchup against the slower decks, especially like things like Druid. Rage Warrior is a best of three conquest deck. Like that's that's where it belongs. And uh, in, on ladder, I just I'd be very surprised if it was the right choice. Yeah, um, I mean it. It feels like we can talk about Bomb Warrior or Bomb Warrior with Skippers. It feels like those are our options. And I, I think that there isn't really, I think running Bomb Warrior without Skipper is clearly correct. 
especially now with agrobog declining like there is like this the difference is significant between the two uh i would always run the build that we featured last week in the vs uh with the course which is a huge card in like miracle rogue cyclone mage big against druid big against paladin rather than focus on the skipper armasmith which is only really good against face hunter and the news is here's a news flash even if you run skipper armasmith that deck does not beat face hunter really yeah what a weird meta that is not what i expected yeah you don't beat face hunter whoever thinks that you beat face hunter by running skipper armasmith you don't that matchup is still unfavorable. Like how? I guess I guess because Lorekeeper Polkelt is just like damage for days. It's not just that. It's sometimes you don't draw the Skipper Armasmith, and sometimes Skipper and one Armasmith is not enough. Sometimes you gotta have Skipper Armasmith double. That's the like Face Hunter has a lot of damage. Yeah, it has a lot of damage. It has voracious reader. You have to remember that it's not. Like the old face hunter where you play one skipper armismith turn and they run out of cards. No, they have reload potential. They have ways to put the damage at the top of the deck. They can go for they can well go into turn seven, eight without running out of cards and running out of damage. So so it can be difficult to outlast them. Yeah, and a lot of times in Rage Warrior would slam the door on aggressive decks by going uh, Skipper, Armorsmith, Bloodsworn, and we're not running Bloodsworn in Bomb Warrior ever. Exactly. So you don't. It's very rare that you have the double Armorsmith play that really puts the face hunter out of range. You don't have that. So sometimes a Skipper Armorsmith is not enough, and sometimes you don't draw it and you just die. So that makes you no different from. The non-skipper builds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Warrior is down to one deck, and it's a good deck, but uh, it seems like the other variants are just kind of fading away. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll see what developments happen. I do imagine Bomber will be quite popular at the Masters Tour this weekend, along with Soul Demon Hunter. So why don't we jump to our next class here, because uh, Demon Hunter, Soul still seems like the way to go with this class right now, and it's been doing pretty well in the ladder from what I can see. Yeah, so Soul Demon Hunter is has immense potential. I am personally a huge fan of Soul Demon Hunter. It has two issues, right? It has the Druid issue, and it has a Paladin issue. Yes. Now, Paladin is a deck that is in a very unique position where it's like very popular on the Climb to Legend and drastically reduces in popularity once you get to Legend. And I think it's a deck that's, even though it's a bad matchup, its presence is not going to be at the level that really makes you not want to play Soul Demon Hunter. Then there's Druid, which is clearly a problem at all levels of play. And that's it. That's the thing. Those are the only two bad matchups. Whoever tells you that Bomb Warrior is favored against Soul Demon Hunter, tell him to stop running Polkit, run the Spectrocyte build from last week. Again, on the best website you can net deck from, and you will find that you're at least 50-50 against the Warrior. And then other matchups, 
Soul Demon Hunter is spectacular. You're good against Cyclone Mage. You're good against Face Hunter. You're good against Rogues. You're good against... You're pretty much good against everything else out there. Uh, you could be good against Turtle Mage right now because they're not smart enough to run Shadow Weavers. But for now, you're doing well against the Turtle Mage because most of them don't run Shadow Weavers and Barriers and things like that. So Soul Demon Hunter, really strong matchup spread. You have one, you have the two kind of difficult matchups, and then you're good against everything. That's good enough to put it at like a high tier two position. I think it's one of the best decks in the game. Uh, but you know, best decks in the game right now in the current meta, it's very flat and balanced. Means it's like a high tier two rather than a tier one deck, clear tier one deck. I'm not sure we even have a clear tier one deck. We'll talk about what possibly is one uh, later on. But yeah, Soul Demon Hunter is pretty good. Agro Demon Hunter is also decent. It's a little bit weaker than Soul Demon Hunter. Its matchup spread is not as insane. Uh, it does better against, obviously does better against Paladin and Druid. But it doesn't have the terrific matchups against things like Cyclone Mage and Face Hunter that Soul Demon Hunter has. Like, if you want to beat Face Hunter, Soul DH is so good. It's such a good answer to it. Probably the best answer you can find a ladder. The best deck against Face Hunter is Soul Demon Hunter. Yep, the amount of life gain is kind of insane that Soul Demon Hunter can do, and it's it, it can undo a lot of the work that Face Hunter pushes early while applying counter pressure. Like you've talked about many times, counter pressure it was the answer to Demon Hunter in in the Ashes meta. It was the answer to Face Hunter in this meta. You got you can't just survive; you have to kill them because they have more damage. Yep. So I do like where, where um, Demon Hunter is situated right now. Uh, it's it's a good example of a good deck, which has some weaknesses. But it's also a, a fairly complex deck to play. You, there's a lot of damage management that you have to keep uh, track of. Because you have a finite amount of damage. So like matchups like Priest can be fairly complicated. A matchup like Bomb Warrior, your uh, Warblades management, the Lifesteal weapon. The way you use the Lifesteal weapon is... Very, very important for how far you can take this deck and your usage of blade dance. Keep those things in mind. Yeah, if you are using your warblades to kill a to kill a wand maker, you are using your warblades incorrectly. No, you could be using your maybe in that matchup, lifesteal doesn't matter as much. But keep those charges in mind. How important are they? How much are you planning to lifesteal uh, in this matchup to win? And whether it's better to just equip and not attack rather than, you know, attack immediately. Yeah, or like hero power attack and then equip after. Exactly. So you, you do need to keep those things in mind and you can mess up a lot with this deck. Yes. Uh, I Actually, speaking of Wandmaker, uh, I don't know if we have card specifics yet, but there have been a lot of lists with Wandmaker in Soul Demon Hunter popping up. Any early insights? Trust Vicious Syndicate. I always do. That's where I get my decklist from, viciousyndicate.com. Run Spectral Sight. Don't run Wandmaker. Wandmaker yeah. is not bad, but it's worse than Spectral Sight. Is it, is it worse than Battlefiend? Absolutely. Battlefiend is critical in like a lot of matchups, especially like Warrior, because it's worth a lot of damage. You play it on one against Warrior, and it can deal a lot of damage. Like They have nothing. They do nothing in the early game. If they don't have a sword and board, 
you can deal, you can do some chip. And it's always good. It's good at all stages of the game. It's always nice to drop a battlefield. It's just one mana. It can deal a b bunch of damage. If, if you think about it as a spell that can deal two, three, sometimes four damage to an opponent, it's worth it. It's damage. This deck is all about having damage. Right? I'll trust. Big trust. Yeah. Speaking of decks that are all about having damage, all right, you've hyped it up. Is Face Hunter the best deck in the game? Right now, Face Hunter is the best deck in the game. Yes. All right. It's the best deck. It's the best performing deck. And before people ask me, it's the best performing deck at top legend, at low legend, at diamond one to four, at diamond five to ten, at platinum, at bronze to gold. It's the best deck right now. Now, of course, it's possible that the reason why it's the best deck right now is because it's a very hyper aggressive deck that can punish. Inefficiency and inefficiency occurs when there are balance changes and people screw it around with cards like Living Dragon Breath to counter that deck that's four percent of the meta and not very good against like, three mana three four is not particularly good against Face Hunter. So all these weird techs can help Face Hunter perform the way it is, but but its matchup spread is also very strong and cannot be underestimated. Um, it does. Fairly well against Mage, but in particular, it's the one answer to Turtle Mage without running weird cards in your deck. It's really strong against Bomb Warrior, like we've we've said that already. It can be pretty good, even manageable against Druid. You can make some adjustments regarding traps. We know how good it is against like Agrabogue. So has pretty strong matchups against some of the most popular decks in the meta. Um, and it's good. And I expect to see quite a bit of Face Hunter in this weekend's Masters Tour because people will look to counter Bomb Warrior and Turtle Mage. And if you're looking to do that, then there is no better deck to do that with than Face Hunter. Um, so I expect to see some Face Hunter, even though a lot of players are generally very wary of piloting it because of stigma. Players, I think from what I've seen in the qualifier results, I think the uh, the stigma of playing a brainless aggro deck is definitely wearing off. And this is not an easy iteration of Face Hunter to pilot compared to many in it the past. It is not. It's quite tricky. It is not. There's Voracious Reader. There's a lot of damage management. Um, whole kit creates a decision, a big decision. Uh, there, is, there is quite a bit to it. Uh, utilization of tour guide, proper utilization of face stalker. Uh, the deck is definitely not some curve deck where you just vomit your things and play your things on curve and hope for the best. There are some nuances needed. It's not like a high skill cap deck, right? But it's definitely not brain dead. Every time I hear somebody say that, I cringe a little. Yeah. Uh, personally, I've been putting a lot of energy in practicing making sure my Felma goes face. Uh, that's that's really been a skill that I want to hone. Yeah. Man, Felma is such a crazy card. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, Highlander Hunter, we almost forget about this uh, deck um, because of how good Face Hunter is. It's also pretty decent. It's just not as good as Face Hunter, which is why 
it's hard to justify it. But it has a positive win rate. It's one of the one of the stronger decks. It's it's up there in the competitive pack. Wait, Highlander Highlander so, Hunter. Wait. Highlander. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, Highlander Hunter. It's good. It's just not as good as Face Hunter. Which is why it doesn't really see a much play because people just if you want to play Hunter, you want to play Face Hunter, which makes sense. But if you're if you love Highlander Hunter, you can do pretty well with it in the current meta. It's pretty good. Huh. I mean, it's, it kind of makes sense. I assume that we're still pole kelting into Bran. I mean, that is a powerful turn. Powerful sequence. Yeah. We're just turn six. You run the same build. Yeah. Nothing, nothing needs to change. You run the same build. Uh, you have pretty decent early game, and you can put the best card in your deck at the top of your deck uh, fairly consistently. So, what would be the best reason to run Highlander Hunter over face? Do we have a better matchup against Soul? Against Soul DH? Uh, yeah. You do have a better matchup against something like Soul DH. But not to the point where you, you're you saying, oh, I want to switch. Right? I want to switch to Highlander in order to do better. Because it's not significantly better. It's not big. Also, Highlander Hunter... You usually loses to face hunter. Like it's uh, oh, yeah. it's slightly unfavorable. So because yeah, hunter hunter mirrors are usually about racing and who gets to kill someone first. And when you're playing the face deck, you're probably going to get there early. Um, so I don't really see a great reason to run Highlander Hunter. To be honest, it's almost like a shadow deck of face hunter, where it's like face hunter is like. 55-45 against everything, and then Highlander Hunter is like this 51-49 deck. And doesn't really diverge in its matchup spread to the point where one deck rising in popularity causes can cause a shift. Uh, but it is good. It's successful. I'm saying if you insist, you can do well with Highlander Hunter. Uh, it's pretty good. That's it. Interesting. Yeah. And that's all for Hunter, I guess. Um, strangely enough, Guardian Animals Hunter has not materialized. Okay. Let's talk about Priest. Now, Priest is an interesting class in that, beyond from having an archetype that was your baby for a little while, um, it also was a class that was trending downwards that then received a major nerf to its best class card. What's going on with Priest? Uh, Priest is struggling. Now, there are two theories to why it is struggling. The first theory is that it just needs to adjust to the balance changes that nerfed its best card, and perhaps if you could redefine its strength and refine its builds, it could potentially come back. That's one explanation. The other explanation is that Priest saw its one of its best cards nerfed, if not its best card, and it's now just not good enough. Um, the answer to that will probably be answered by us next week. Uh, I cannot provide a confident answer about it right now. What I can say is that what's happening is that Priest is losing a lot. <laughs> Priest is not looking good. Neither Highlander Hunter nor um, Control Priest is looking good. It's looking pretty weak. It's uh, These archetypes are struggling. And while they've always underperformed to some degree due to refinement issues and the fact that Breeze players tend to overtech 
It's also happening right now and add the nerf to Cabal Acolyte and you have a problem. I was concerned with priests, if you remember, that this nerf would potentially kill the class and that could happen. I am not uh, not too optimistic about priest position in the meta and I'm concerned that it may not find its footing uh, after this and we may lose some diversity, some class diversity in the current meta because of this uh, change. That's unfortunate. It's if you if you were looking to buff priest, I know they just nerfed it, but if you were looking to buff it, if you were looking to change something to make it viable again, where do you think there's opportunity to nudge that? That's not Cabal Acolyte, or does that card need to get better? Uh, I kind of wish it was a two five, honestly. Like I think the two four nerf was a little bit too heavy handed. Uh, and that's causing the potential drop in its performance. Um, I honestly don't know how I would buff Priest. It's just, like, it's so dangerous to buff cards, right? Yeah. Uh, you can always, like, buff a card and then it becomes way too powerful. Maybe you buff Cabal Shadow Priest from the classic set and make it five mana and we get get our Yoink back. I'm assuming I'm assuming the nerf here was so that yoinking happens less. I'm guessing that is a play pattern they're looking to try and reduce a little bit. The funny thing is, since Kabakulite is now a two four, it's pretty much good for one thing, which is yoinking. Yeah. So maybe we can, we need to go even further beyond and hyper yoink. I don't know how to do that, but maybe we can achieve that. Shadow madness will be good again. Shadow madness. Probably not, no. But yeah, anyway, Priest is kind of struggling. Those are the facts. I'm not really seeing the build that's performing um, exceptionally well. I'm not seeing a package that is currently saving this class. So we'll have to wait and search some more. We could end up finding it by next week, and we'll let you know. But for now, Priest is not looking good. That's a shame. It's I, I hope there are some builds that are found or uh some nudge because Priest was pretty playable. Uh and it was kind of nice to see it as part of the meta, even if the play pattern wasn't something that uh even if the play pattern was uh polarizing in how people responded to it. But did Blizzard delete Priest? Yeah, this is this is this is what, what I was concerned about. Like your which kind of gets us to the next class, right? Uh, because I was concerned that these nerfs could potentially be a little bit too early uh, before we gave the meta a chance to, you know, figure itself out. And it was a very fascinating meta with nine powerful classes and that were competitive, that were out there, that all had potential to have positive win rates, which was amazing. And now we're losing priests, and there are worse news than that. We could very well be losing warlock. Oh boy! Now the darkler nerf was justified because of the wild format. I'm not saying, well, Blizzard, why did you nerf darkler? We all know why darkler was nerfed. The problem is the ramifications are that Zoo looks. Dumpster. Done. It's done hat. 
Now, yes, maybe you can adjust and make because Dark Lair is not a bad card now. It's just that Zoo needed that broken interaction in getting those Flesh Giant insanely early in order to be competitive. And now that it's not doesn't seem to be capable of doing that, it just it just lost so much steam. It just lost so much ground. And right now it's just nowhere near. It's like it's looked to sink into like tier four range, the shaman tier. Oof. Uh, so it's painful. And in addition to that, well, of course it's painful. It's dark layer zoo. Yeah, it, it's painful. Yeah, that's good. I will give that a seven out of ten. I appreciate that. And and then you have the other warlock decks, right? And they're nowhere near. What other warlock decks? They yeah, like the Galakon deck, it didn't improve. Nothing happened in this meta that, to make it improve. And Handlock was far gone, and Quest Warlock the same. So there's just nothing. It's just dead class. Looks like a dead class. We'll see if it remains dead next week. But it's looking pretty bad. And we've gone from nine competitive classes that were diverse and interesting to possibly seven. Uh, because of the change, uh, the balance changes, which is unfortunate. So I'm going to try and keep a straight face here. What are the early numbers on Willow Lock? There are no numbers because nobody's playing this card. Because it's not Nobody's even trying. Nobody's even trying. This change did not even tickle anyone. Tice tried. Tice ran for like an afternoon. Well, Tice tries pretty much everything. Yes. But nobody's net decking t- ties. I'm not even seeing people net deck ties and trying to, like, they're not trying. Like, it's, it's just not there. Well, actually, I do see them net decking. I'm actually looking into that. I do see some ties net decking. But it's bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I assume it's that really it's, not, bad. it's not making a big dent on the meta. And this is not a commentary on Tice. Tice, we love you. It's... There's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can do. Exactly. Tice is not a magician. He's not a miracle worker. The card sucks. It's not gonna... Like, it doesn't... It doesn't have enough support. And I should also take this opportunity to note, um, while Dark Lair has been nerfed in Wild, it is still very much a deck there. Very, very much a deck. And you can still get Giants on turn four. I can confirm. Warlock is still good in Wild. Yep. So, was this change actually? Hmm. Hmm. This might have not have worked out. So, I mean, it's early on, right? It's early we on. We killed but... Warlock in Standard. We killed Warlock in Standard, and we didn't kill Warlock in Wild. It's 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 definitely uh, the opposite of what was of what was stated as the intention um, so far. Maybe builds will arise, but yes, the early impact seems to be that it hit the format where it was collateral damage as opposed to the format where it was intended. Um, remains to be seen if it's at an appropriate power level in Wild, but in Standard, it does look like options have thinned out a little bit. Uh, because Two Mana Dark Lair is a good card, but the deck was a lot more powerful before. And now it's... Nah. It's just not busted enough in Standard. Like, the yeah. interactions of Dark Lair with self-damaging package, just not good enough uh, for standard. 
Now, it's possible that maybe you go less all-in. Maybe you you tone down the extreme, but but then you don't get the Fled Giants early, then what are you doing? So, it's a problem. Obviously, the fact that things like Face Hunter are really powerful doesn't help. I was testing but, Zoo yeah. on, on day one of the nerfs, and I ran into two Face Hunters in a row, and I was just like, this matchup feels pretty miserable. It's pretty horrendous. The the big concern is that Zuo doesn't even beat Druid anymore. That's yeah. based on what we're seeing. It's not even happening. So it's unfortunate, but um, Zuo probably is just not going to be around. And Warlock is not going to be around. Wait, let's talk about a class. Let's Now let's move on to a class that's always not around. So Hat, ask me, how is Shaman doing? Is, is the buff to Totem Shaman... With Totem Goliath, did change anything? Is the class going to get out of the dumpster? Zach, why is the meta breaker this week Totem Shaman? I'm sorry, I can't finish it. I can't finish the sentence. Okay, so I will say this. Totem Shaman actually looks playable uh, in the early days of this patch. However, it also looked playable in the early days of this expansion too. And it's a deck that I heavily suspect tends to behave that way. Like, it starts okay when it runs into a bunch of jank and people running bad cards to counter decks that are 5% of the meta. And soon after, it ends up falling off. The current pattern I'm seeing is that Totem Shaman is pretty good at, like, platinum, gold to bronze. It's pretty good. It's always been okay there. But once you get to the higher levels of play, it's just nowhere to be seen. And when you see it, it's really bad. So nothing changed about that. And I expect it to continuously decline again. Like basically what the balance changes did is kind of give hope. And you suddenly saw the play rate pick up a bit after it was on its way to decline and fade away. And now it kind of picked up but it's probably still going to decline and fade away. I don't think that change is impactful enough. Again, the Goliath buff is not doesn't change a lot of its bad matchups, especially in like early game decks that contest the board don't allow you to develop totems. Goliath doesn't change that. Can you beat Druid? I'm not even sure you beat Druid. <laughs> there are draws that beat Druid. Does the deck beat Druid? Probably not, but if you hit Reflection on three, then sure, or... I don't know. Turn one, double bloom I mean, totem Goliath. Easy. I mean, sure. I, I guess you can beat Druid sometimes. It's not a hard counter, though. It doesn't look to be a hard counter. And then you've got, you know, other things that are not so good, like Cyclone Mage, like Miracle Rogue. Imagine getting your Goliath stunned or frozen forever. Or devolving this whole... Yeah, it's just... So, Totem Shaman is okay at lower levels, which is not too different. So basically, this buff didn't change much uh, about this deck. Like, it's still pretty much behaving the way it did. All it did is, like, provide a spark of hope. Yeah, well, it, it drew interest to the class, and it does sound like... This reminds me a lot of how we were talking about Murloc Paladin in Ashes, uh, in that it is definitely like a... Uh, a lower MMR killer and has a lot of early game snowballing, uh, but also doesn't really hold up at higher levels of play. And 
I mean, it's fine, but the the buff appears to not have helped the class kind of where where it needs to be helped at high levels. We talked about this last week. You need early game. You need to be able to fight for board, and it can't really do that. Yep. The problem is that if you want to make Totem Shaman viable, you need to buff its early game. Not just as it's, uh, you know, loaded 5-drop. You need it you need it to be far more effective at ceasing the early board rather than you know its mid late game is okay already it like the decks that it can snowball on it can snowball but it just has no way to deal with decks to just push it off the board not let it do its thing um other shaman decks still look absolutely dumpster there's no reason to think they will ever be a dumpster and Zach, we talked about talked about the nerfs. We've talked about all the nerf classes. There's one class that did not receive balance adjustments, but it's been going through kind of a surprising amount of iteration and evolution, and that's Paladin. And we've talked about pure Paladin a bit, and I imagine that list looks about the same. But the Libroom builds are kind of all over the place right now and are definitely growing in popularity. What do we know about them early on, uh, post patch? Yeah, so. Pure Paladin, nothing nothing really changed about this deck. You're going to see less of it uh, at Legend. It's pretty powerful outside of Legend. It's also powerful at Legend. It falls off a bit at Top Legend. Those are behaviors that we already know about Pure Paladin, and nothing changed. As for Impure Paladins, Libroom Paladins, they continue to be promising. Funky Monkey's build, which we've talked about last week, continues to be promising. There might be a way to adjust that deck, change a couple of cards and make it better. But I am curious to see how it can further develop. Because as we said last week, it's a Paladin deck that isn't as one-dimensional. It has uh, multiple ways of winning Hearthstone games rather than one. And since we're running Broom... You can come back from being behind a lot more than when you're running Pure Paladin. So there are no big news, but it seems to be consistently promising. It didn't fall off. It wasn't like a fluke that this particular build did well last week. continues to do well. It continues to be an alternative to Pure Paladin that looks competitive. And I'm looking forward to maybe pushing it a little bit harder in next week's report because this deck has yet to be featured on a VS report, right? So we'll have to wait for next week. We'll figure out how to change this deck to be possibly better, and then we'll see the results. But Paladin may not be a one-deck class anymore, and you might have two options to choose from. Yeah, I, I was playing some of this yesterday, and I fatigued a survival druid, and that was very enjoyable. Uh, just running them out of all their stuff, including Ysera portals. Um, yeah, there have definitely been some builds that are floating around High Legend with uh, Wabak and Racy have been working on with uh, Imprisoned Sungill and Cultmaster, but those cards always feel a little clunky to me. Um, and Funky's build continues to be the one that I've enjoyed playing the most, so I'm really curious to see what the data says. So, all right, Zach, we've looked at every class. What do you think the nerfs have done to the meta in addition to the organic development that was already going on? 
I think we could have waited with these balance changes. We could have not done anything. I think it would have been better. I'm sorry to say it, but my concerns were founded. Like when I said, oh, do we need nerfs right now? I'm not sure. I'm worried about Priest and Warlock. Seems to be transpiring. The issues that I uh, I raised. And we might see a less diverse meta as a result. Now, can you blame Team 5 for making these nerfs? No, not really. Because Darkler should have been nerfed. It was the correct thing to do to nerf it. Unfortunately, as uh, we said earlier... Darkler Warlock in Wild is still a thing. It's less powerful, I can tell you that, but it's still a thing, and it's going to continue to be complained about because it's powerful still. But we killed Warlock in Standard. I'm just saying that this was unnecessary. I feel like this was largely unnecessary, and we didn't need to tinker here when the meta was so good. You know, it's like. Um, it's like you're, you, you've baked a cake, right? You've baked a cake, and there was like this smudge, this little smudge of chocolate that wasn't symmetrical, right? You decorated the cake, and there was this smudge of chocolate that wasn't symmetrical. And then you tried to flatten it. You tried to flatten the cake in order to make it perfect, and what ended up happening is you, you squeezed the cake a little bit too much, and now it's kind of awkward and whatever. You, you feel me? I, I do. Yes. It's the meta is a It would have been tasty. Cake. I would have been five. I don't care about that smudge of chocolate. I don't care that the decoration wasn't perfect. It was a good cake. You baked a good cake, be happy with it. We're going to record our next podcast after you've eaten. We're gonna we're gonna plan that next week. Well, it remains to be seen. We do have the Master Store starting uh now, so we'll see uh, what the meta looks like this weekend. We'll have the report next week on Thursday the 17th, and I'm really curious to see what it says, uh, and yeah, any final thoughts, Zach, before we wind down? Uh, just remember, this is just the first podcast, uh, it's just been three days of data collection, uh, there will probably be more interesting developments, and nothing replaces the full Data Reaper report, so look forward to that on the 17th. For now, take the tips we've given you, with this podcast, and good luck on Ladder. Yes, good luck. We want to give thanks here. Uh, after last week's show, we got actually quite a bit of support through Vicious Syndicate Gold and the Patreon, so thank you everyone who subbed and supported. Uh, and as a reminder, if you sign up to either, you can get live stats, which have been reset for post-patch. Small sample sizes for now, but there is some interesting information there if you want to check it out. And you get access to Zach's musings in the Vicious Syndicate supporters channel in the Discord. Uh, so next report, next week, next podcast, next week. Big thanks to Steven Sensei for our bumpers. And uh, that'll do it for this week's show. We'll talk to you soon. The Data Reaper podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.